Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. Welcome citizens, New Amsterdam Radio is now. You know, I have a chat with Ms. Gourmet Fraser. And you're going to love it. Before I do, I just want to say that this episode of New Amsterdam Radio and all the other episodes in New Amsterdam Radio canon is brought to you by NewAmsterdam.com. <laughs> Quite obviously. You can see all the other shows and see where you can stream the podcast that could. New episodes are every Thursday, but bonus episodes like this one happen when they happen. So make sure to check them out. NewAmsterdam.com. Creative projects are flowing here. I'm recording this super early, about 7 o'clock in the morning, one Tuesday morning, because my mix of creative projects have shifted. And uh, on this day in particular, I, I work for other people and other things, but I'm still trying to find to give time to myself. I'm still trying to find that pocket of me time to work on things that excite me. I think that's a cool tip to share with you guys out there who are listening right now. No matter what your life is, I know we have hours upon hours of work and we may, some of us have kids and some of us have parents to take care of and some of us have other responsibilities, but carve out some time, whether it's something as slight as 30 minutes or even 10 minutes if you're on the go, just to think, just to meditate, just to work on something that brings you joy, that brings passion. But speaking of passion, Ms. Frazier has done a lot, and she is an author, an educator, a motivational speaker. We mentioned all of that in our talk, and she still has a, a light of positivity despite her struggles and challenges growing up. So hopefully it be an inspiration for those listening right now. But without further ado, now it's time with my chat with Ms. Gourmet Frazier. Welcome back to New Am Sam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, Flobo Boyce, the mayor in the mayor's office, hanging with people who are thinking and doing and doing the dang thing. My guest on this episode is a lot. She is a teacher, a mentor, an artist, a motivational speaker, and psychotherapist, and she can do it all. I'm so glad to have Gourmet Frazier on the show. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. Thank you so much for having me, Flobo. Oh, fabulous. That's a word I don't hear very often, but I totally understand the vibe. That's great. <laughs> Well, I got to ask off the top, you know, because you do a lot. Um, for a lot of creatives, I say, how do you describe what you do? We're at a party and someone's like, what are you into? What do you do? How do you describe your brand? Um, my brand is diverse. And I basically go with the flow. Mm -hmm. And I don't allow myself to get stuck in any traditional anything. So if I feel like creating a website, that's what I do. If I feel like I'm writing a book, I begin to put the, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to give me the inspiration to get his book done through me. Mm -hmm. um, teaching, I just love working with people. And I believe that it brings out the best of my creative side, you know, because we're all co-creators of mm -hmm. the creator. So mm -hmm. having just one talent, you can lose that. And if you do lose that, then what do you have to fall back on? Right. So having multiple talents, I believe, for me, I, I describe myself as very creative. And I also get bored. I have to be stimulated. And I don't wait for someone to stimulate me. I just bring out, you know, the creativity that's inside of me. Yeah. And it's seen in books, videos, um, TV, shows, you know, whatever. But, but basically, I enjoy working with people. 
it seems like your gifts or, or one of your gifts that you get things done. Uh, when did you realize that was something that was inside you that you were said, hey, look, if I want something, I'm going to go for it. Was it early in life? Was it later in life? Well, to be quite frank with you, um, I struggled for many years of my life. And most people wouldn't realize that. And the reason I struggle is because I was poisoned when I was three months of age. I was poisoned by a cousin who didn't like me because of the color of my skin. Mm. And the poison actually affected me academically as well as physically. So I was, a to I was what you would call a, an F student. Mm -hmm. Okay, I struggled. Uh, uh, C's and, B and D's in high school went on to community college and they threw me out of college. <laughs> I was academically suspended because I couldn't bring my GPA up beyond two point, whatever. Mm -hmm. So what I realized is that if I'm going to get it done, I'm going to have to find a way to teach myself so that I can get what I need to get done. Because obviously the school system wasn't making an impact at that time for me to get it done because I was just a classical D student, DF. Yeah. And, and so I began to really push myself and I began to say to myself, okay, Gourmet, you have different learning styles. You're gonna have to get in tune with your learning styles and begin to teach yourself. Because if you want to get this done and graduate out of high school and out of college, you're gonna have to find a way to do it. And so I began to explore my different gifts and begin to you know, become more intuitive into what, how I like to, you know, how I learn and, and um, what type of mode of learning that I, you know, that I have. And so once I begin to do that, I begin to discover, you know, the multiple um, learning styles that I have. And I began to use it. And, and back then, did you have a, a dream or, or a goal? Or was it kind of like, let me just learn everything I can at once? Or did you have a, a goal that shifted in the course of your learning and, and self-teachings? You know, that's a great question. Um, years ago, I wanted to be a nurse. And um, so I kind of struggled. You know, I was in school back in my country, Guyana, South America, where I was born. I came to America, settled in New York when I was 16 years of age. And I had started kind of tapping into nursing and, you know, stuff like that. And I got found an interest in it. But when I came here to New York, I actually went to South Shore High School. And oh, struggled. wow. I went to Madison. I went to South Shore <laughs> and I kind of struggled through and I figured, look, you're getting old, you got to get the hell out of high school. And, and so I kind of did whatever. But when I started Kingsborough Community College, it was a struggle. Mm -hmm. When I say it was a struggle, it was a struggle and I was not doing well at all academically. And I decided that, um, okay, just stay focused. You want to do nursing, stay focused on nursing. But when they started, we had to like dissect little piglets and deal with blood and stuff. I said, oh no, this is not gonna work for me. So that was, <laughs> I was, that was finished. So basically I actually studied many different careers. You know, I wanted to be an occupational therapist. I wanted to be an accountant. So I kind of went to many different schools and it just bored me. Mm -hmm. It just bored me. And I decided my mom said to me one day, look, why don't you go to become a, a social worker? And I said, a social worker, what is that? And so I began to do some research and kind of, you know, got the gist of what social work is. And then I said, oh, I can't do that. I could barely deal with my own problems. I can't even figure out, you know, my own problems. And you're telling me that I should go to school and try to figure out other people's problems. So that's not gonna work for me. 
But, you know, to be honest with you, I got interested and I went to the open house and that was it. Yeah. I started social work. And that, so that has been my first career as a psychotherapist. It, it, your story brings a lot of like flashes of memory because my, my parents are, are Caribbean as well. They came in the 70s to New York City and I was born up here. Mm -hmm. I went to uh, Madison, but South Shore was the closest high school to my house. And mm -hmm. by the, the time I came around the 90s, it was a bad school. But back then I heard it was, was, <laughs> was mm -hmm. a lot better than it was. And I went off creatively. My dad worked for transit. Uh, my mm -hmm. mom was a nurse. Uh, she retired. Mm -hmm. She's a nurse for 40 years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I got, got off the island really. Um, because there weren't many opportunities for women at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. but but trying to do something different, I mean, like the little creative was kind of seen mm -hmm. as like, okay, are you sure what you're doing? <laughs> and, and so I understand the hesitation of being like, hey, social work, I I guess I'll give it a shot. But you didn't let that become the only thing you did. No, I didn't. Yeah. And and can I say this? When I saw New Amsterdam, I was like taken back. I was born in New Amsterdam. Yeah. I was born in Guyana, yeah. in New Amsterdam. That's where I was born. So when I saw New Amsterdam, I said, what in the world? It's, so, it's, so, it's yeah. a funny thing. I'm so glad you mentioned that because there, my heritage is West Indian and, and New York, New Amsterdam with an N was one of the names of New York when it was sold to the, by the Dutch. I thought that'd be the best way to link those three things together. And it's a awesome. very obscure reference, but I'm so glad you caught it, man. It was my yes. heart. Yes, that's where I was born. And when I came to America, that's where I settled. Right, New, New York. Yeah, uh, well, let's let's talk about your books. Uh, I had a chance to glance through some of the pages of "Love Me or Leave Me," um, which it seems to be uh, a book you reference a lot on your website here. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's 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 talk about the main idea and what you're looking hoping to achieve when that book was released. Well, um, to be honest with you, I had no desire to write "Love Me or Leave Me." I didn't um, because it was so near and dear to my heart. But even before we, you know, before I got into Love Me or Leave Me, I had written my journey to spiritual restoration. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is when the healing began in my life, you know, because I've had many different um, abuses that, you know, God has really processed me through and, and helped me through and healed me through. So just to get back to Love Me or Leave Me, when um, God gave me the title, Love Me or Leave Me, I said, what kind of title is this? <laughs> you know, And it kind of reminded me of relationships that I have been in. And I haven't been in many because I really have zero tolerance for nonsense. That's my personal side. It's either you like me for who I am or just keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Because my significance is based on what I tell myself. I don't need someone to tell me I'm beautiful. I know I'm beautiful because I was made by the creator who is beautiful. So when I began to write Love Me or Leave Me, for me, it was very dear and personal. So I developed these different um, you know, characters in the story. Um, first of all, when I look at Nora, okay, mother, and, um, and Angelica, you know, the daughter, okay, mm -hmm. and Bert, <laughs> Bert Jr., Bert mm -hmm. actually represent um, the first guy that showed me attention, you know, when I was... 15, 14, 15 years of age. So I started writing Love Me or Leave Me. And I was able to rehash a lot of stuff in the different characters of Love Me or Leave Me. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, I, I kind of, you know, when I looked at the, the title, and this is not my title, this is his title. Mm -hmm. So I began to, when I began to think of how would I write Love Me or Leave Me, 
So the first thing that I kind of looked at was the relationship. Because in order for you to love someone, really love someone, you have to be in a relationship. Correct. So the first title was, is our relationship. So I began to talk about, you know, Nora's relationship with birth. Okay. And it has been very traumatic because birth has been a very um, abusive, very abusive character. And I did have a birth in my life. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first time that I ever experienced abuse, even rape, you know, because birth wanted marriage. And I didn't think that I was brought here on earth just to be married at a young age and, um, you know, become a wife. And that was that, you know, I just felt that because my whole birth has been so traumatic growing up that there had to have been something better, you know, mm -hmm. or more for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I've been married and I'm divorced, so I don't um, resent marriage, but I just didn't think that my life was just to be married, have mm -hmm. children, take care of the house and cook and clean. And I, I just thought that, and I just knew that there was a lot more. So when Love Me or Leave Me began to be developed, the first thing I looked at was our relationship, okay? Mm -hmm. And so in any relationship, you either have to love the person or just let them go. And mm -hmm. if they don't want to let you go, then you just have to make a decision, close your eye and keep it moving, you know, and, and it comes with a lot of cost. So love me or leave me, um, our relationship. And so the second chapter, I talked about love or abuse because so many times, you know, we mistake love for, uh, we, we mistake abuse for love. Now I grew up in Guyana, South America, and I have seen lots of abuse. In, in family members, in, in my community, with women, especially women. And um, I have always been an inquisitive person, not getting into people's business, but observing certain things. And I would hear conversations by these women and they would say, well, you know, um, yeah, he beats me because he loves me. And if he didn't love me, he wouldn't beat me. He wouldn't abuse me. And I mean, these women would be black and blue. Okay, I have seen some of them running for their life because their man or husband would be chasing them with machetes. And so I began to develop this story because it kind of brought me back to, you know, as a young girl growing up. Okay, is this love or is it abuse? And so how can you say you love someone and abuse them? You know, when you love something or someone, you should protect them. Okay, I'm not going to say the relationship is going to be all peaches and cream, but you can't abuse someone and, and for so many women because at different ages of our life, we have been so ill-educated, number one. Number two, we, don't, we, we didn't know who we are. And because we don't know who we are, we end up falling for anything. Mm -hmm. So I began to develop this story from what I've seen and some of it from what I've experienced, okay? Is this love or abuse? And then I've also noticed that in chapter three, I talked about being forced to settle. Mm -hmm. And so many times, you know, someone has to settle for several reasons. Either they need children or they need someone to help them pay their bills or because they need to be loved. And again, they don't understand there's a, there is a difference, a distinction between love or abuse. So sometimes what I have seen, and even in my own relationship, which, you know, I kind of, oh, no, we're not going to do this here, okay? Is, we're not. I'm not going to settle. And so to answer your question, you know, um, in Chapter 3 talk, talks about force, being forced to settle. 
why did I develop so many different creativity? Because I refused to settle. Oh yeah, that's that's when you're always want to challenge yourself, uh, depending right. on different discipline. That's like the true definition of intellectualism. I respect that. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I refuse to settle. Not just in relationship, not just in personal relationship, but even in jobs, because um, there have been a lot of different stuff going on in some of the jobs that I've had, and I've had lots of conversation with other professionals, and they would say, "Well, you know, this is all I have, and you know, if I say this or if I do that, what will they do?" And yeah, they're abusing me. And, and yes, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of nepotism, but what am I going to do? And I said, develop your skills. Develop your skills. I mean, it's very easy, okay? I'm not saying that you should quit your job. So while you're on a job and you're being abused or being taken for granted, take that energy. Instead of being angry with the employer, take that energy and begin to develop, you know, begin to get to know your inner skills you know, your talents, you know. And so that's how come I began to look at different areas of my life, you know, because I refuse to settle for in situations that will only bring me distress, um, anxiety, panics, and all kinds of stuff. Because my beginning already had a very traumatic entrance into the world, right, <laughs> you know. Right, so right. I wasn't going to allow that. So yes. And then, it, then I began to look at how do you escape? Because I knew... I was in that place where I wanted to escape, you know, from birth. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I remembered, you know, trying to escape him. I kind of pack a bag and disappeared. And, of course, he found me. So in many um, domestic violence or um, intimate partner abuse, they're always seeking to find you because their whole job and their whole aim is to keep you hostage, to manipulate you, to control you. And, and, and if someone don't have additional skills or, you know, a plan of escape, then they end up getting stuck in those relationships because, again, the abuser would use words like, well, you know, I love you and look what I've done for you. You know, nobody really loves you. And so sometimes, you know, as women, women get sucked into that. No, I love me first. Okay, yeah. you loving me is wonderful, but I love me first. And so I don't think that people need to, you know, get stuck in any relationship, whether professional or personal. And I also feel that everyone, I mean, need to look at their other skills and develop those skills so they can find a, a plan, you know, create a plan to escape any type of abusive situation. And I remember, you know, the times that I've been abused in relationship, I was always like hiding within myself. Yeah. I was always trying to justify you know, the craziness. Well, you know, but he's not always like that. You know, he's not always like that. I even remember with my ex-husband. I mean, I had to take that joke to court and keep it moving because he was very abusive, you know, very traumatic. He had pinned my shoulder down and had a knife on my chest and, um, you know, threatened me what he was going to do. And I realized, wait a minute, I really did not qualify this man before I decided to marry him. Okay, and so again, in relationship, we need to first understand who we are, okay, and understand what gifts we're bringing to the relationship. But even before it becomes a relationship, there should be a conversation. And I think many times we mistake conversations for relationship. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, because in a relationship, there's give and take. There is listening and being present, okay? There is... Um, you know, love, there's respect, there's effective communication, you know, there's loyalty, there's commitment, 
There's a whole lot of stuff in a relationship. In conversations, you know, you call whenever. Okay, so many times, you know, we may mistake conversation for relationship. Okay, so instead of having conversation and beginning to qualify the person, okay, and, and, and even as a psychotherapist now, I usually tell my clients, well, how do you qualify people to be in your life? Because we need to do that. Okay, mm -hmm. so how do you take care of you? First of all, how do you take care of your body? Okay, what do you do for your body? Yeah, take it. And this is what I usually ask people. How do you take care of yourself? Right. And it's such a general question that they can't, they don't understand it. And I said, let me just tone it down. How do you take care of your body? Rest, relaxation, some form of nutrition, uh, nutrition some form of uh, meditation, nice, deep, mindful breathing, going to the doctors, hydration, Okay. And, 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 and it goes on. And how do you take care of your body? Because when we begin to take care of our body, we also have ways of qualifying other people to walk with us. And how do you take care of your mindset? What do you say about yourself? What do you call yourself? When you're speaking about other people, how do you actually describe them? Because how you describe people tells me how you would describe me if I allow you in my relationship. And it tells me how you feel about yourself. So it, it, so it is very deep, you know, and, and even in relationship, how do you endure? Okay. So, you know, relationship when it's abusive, how do you endure? And there's a lot of grace for endurance. That's true. We are, we are um, resilient when it comes to a lot of things in our life. And you mentioned your experience in psychotherapy and I noticed that you're on the app BetterHelp, which is an app I'm familiar with when someone can look for uh, tele-counseling for their issues. I mean, what's that experience been like for you? Obviously you can't go into details, but as someone on the other side of that app, being able to help others, what's, what's been your experience? As a therapist, it's a fabulous company to work for. It's actually one of the best companies I have ever worked for, you know, through my company. Mm -hmm. My company is Real Props and Marketing Solutions, Inc. Yeah. That's my company. <laughs> Real Props, Real Estate and Marketing, because I also have a background in marketing and also an entrepreneur. So working for Real um, Better Health, it's just a great company. Um, mm -hmm. They have high respect for their therapists. Um, the therapists, me, I do have a voice, um, you, you know, I decide who I want to work with based on my specialties, based also on my time, because I can kind of scan someone's information. And because I will always want to give people the best of me, mm -hmm. the best of me. And so I, you know, I find that working for better health, it allows me to work with all different types of clients, with all different types of situations, really around the globe. I have clients in all different, in so many different countries. And it's just wonderful, you know, being with, you know, working with those clients and helping them to work through different issues and also begin to see how they're able to identify, you know, triggers from different experiences. And also I provide them with tools, you know, and demonstrate what those tools are for them to get their healing. So it's a great experience. And I just love working for better health. Well, I said at the top of the show that you do a lot, Ms. Razor, and I got to ask as someone who does so much for other things in different disparate parts of like of you, what do you do to recharge? What do you do to fill the cup? What do you do to make sure you have the balance and energy to make it happen? Coffee does count. It's great. <laughs> great question. I love massage. Okay. 
Okay, as a matter of fact, I have a massage chair that my son bought me for Mother's Day. <laughs> I have, I love foot bath. So my daughter bought me a foot bath machine, so I enjoy that too, okay? I love going to the chiropractor and I go there every single week. And those are gifts I give to myself because you can have something and not use it. So I do my massage, I do my foot bath, I go to the uh, chiropractor and I do my adjustments once a week. And this is all for my, um, you know, it, well, the chiropractor adjusts the central nervous system, which is great because it removes, you know, the adjustment removes the kinks and the, the tightness or any type of supplication in the spine. Um, I also love juicing. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of juice and I love hanging out with my friends too. Yeah. Okay. Good, I love hanging out with my friends. Um, I have a ministry at night and I do prayer at midnight. It's called the midnight cry. So I pray every midnight myself and another partner. And I go, I go before God um, every night before midnight. And I pray seven nights a week, every single night. No option. That I love doing. Um, I love healthy conversations. I'm a talker, but I never used to be. I used to be extremely shy and quiet. You couldn't get me to say a word, you know, for many years of my life. Um, I love spending time with my family. As a matter of fact, I'm going on vacation in a few days. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm going to be on vacation. I love fine dining. I also love to cook, but I also love fine dining. Um, I, lo I love having a good time. I love dancing. I love music. Music is very dear to my heart. I love music. I love dancing. I love movies. Yeah. And, I, and uh, you know, it's funny because for many years when I have been very busy doing different things, I used to feel kind of guilty taking time off because I didn't know any better. You know, yeah. I, I always felt that I had to be working. I had to be doing, you know, as a single parent at the time, you know, putting my kids through private school and, you know, having all these different stuff. You know, it was two, three jobs. But I am so thankful that I have come to get to know the other parts of me that gives me joy. And I love doing, you know, chilling. Can I ask, can I jump in there and ask a question? Because a lot of our, our creators, our entrepreneurs, we have that same kind of mentality where we do feel guilty taking a day off or, or giving mm -hmm. gifts to yourself to, to use what you said. Why is, where does that come from? Is it our parents? Is it this bad experience? Is it TV? Where does that hustle culture, like, who do we extract it from? Well, again, when I look at, Sometimes, you know, even in my upbringing, I, um, my parents, I didn't grow up with my biological father. You know, he had his own issues. So, you know, I grew up with my stepfather and my mom. And I've always seen my mom, you know, baking bread and, and pastries and icing and cake because she also had to have her hustle. You know, when, when my father left my mom, he left her with five children and the fifth child was three months old. And, you know, in those days, it's not like an America, okay? In my country at that time, there's no welfare. There's no food stamps. There's no public housing. There's no Section 8. There's no Medicaid. There's none of that. It's either you get your hustle going or you're going to have to figure out how you're going to take care of yourself and your children. And so I've always seen my mom, you know, doing those things. Now, I'm named after my grandmother. Gourmet Effridge is her name, and so is my name. And I've always seen my grandmother, the times I've spent time with her, she has, she's an entrepreneur, well, she was an entrepreneur, great entrepreneur. I used to see her baking bread, like 50 pound flour, and she would bake bread to 
you know, to supply the stores. She also worked full time and she also had her um, animals that she used to raise and, and, and chickens and eggs. And so I've always saw them busy. You know, they've always been busy. And so as a child, you know, I always thought, well, you know, you have to be busy. Okay. Because if you're not busy, it means you're lazy. Okay. And so I kind of got myself into that for many years, you know, always busy, 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 busy. And I always wanted to make sure that even for myself personally, that I never wanted to have to, um, my children, I never wanted my children to want for nothing. I have two children, my daughter and my son. And I always wanted to make sure that I can be a great provider for my children, not just the, um, you know, the physical stuff, you know, the house and, and all, the, you know, their own space and stuff, but also educate them and also spend time with them, you know, take them out to the restaurants, travel, you know, take them to different places so they can, you know, become nicely cultured. So for me, I've always been, you know, the hustle, the busy. And then I began to get to know myself better, you know, my kids moved on, you know, my daughter's married, you know, um, professional woman, you know, has her degrees and her accolade and so is her husband. Um, my son is a doctor, you know, he has his own stuff going on and we have a very close-knit family. But then I got to the point and I said, well, wait a minute, you don't need to do that. You know, you've already did this, 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 this. Now begin to zoom in on what it is that you like to do. So now I, you know, and there are times like I would be taking a break and it's like my mind begins to say, you need to be doing something. I said, no, what I need to be doing is exactly what I'm doing right now is chilling. <laughs> and uh, so I had to kind of move away from that because, yeah, I would run it in the midnight hour, you know, just constantly working and not just working on somebody's job, working on creating the different things, you know, that I that I can look back now and realize it's a benefit. You know, whether it's writing a book, um, I was a TV producer at TV Access 21. I did that for a while, created six shows, you know, speaking on the radio, the television, um, ministry, teaching, serving. I've always served in the community for many, many years. And then I begin to say to myself, okay, that's all great. But now how about you serving you? What do you like to do? And so I began to meditate and spend time with myself and I begin to really zoom in on the things that I really like to do. And so, yes, I give myself permission to chill, to relax, you know, to order in food if you choose it, to go to a restaurant, you know, to hang out with my friends and not feel guilty. Yeah. Because I'm enjoying me now. You know, I, I, it's not like I have, I have abandoned anyone, but I begin to put me first. And I put me first by just doing the things I enjoy doing. I, I want to say permission to chill. It's, yes. it's the dopest thing ever. <laughs> uh, as well, it's, it's been so great having you on the show today. New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creators. But before we get out of here, I have to ask a question. Uh, I always believe that we make our hometowns proud. Uh, what is your motto? What is your axiom? What is the way you look at things? What is your, your, I don't know, your slogan, if you will? Well, that's a great question. Um, I have an agent who works on my website and it's gourmetfrasier.com and she just created this um, logo for me and the logo says Ask Gourmet and the tagline says um, healing minds, no, changing minds, healing nations, mm. changing minds healing nations. So I look at that even from a spiritual standpoint, even from a therapeutic standpoint, 
And even, um, you know, I engage with my family back home, family and friends in Guyana. So I also serve them, you know, in many different ways. And I'm always in touch with them, you know, just finding out how they're doing and how can I help them. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W-Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours.